Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to our program here on 960 AM WSBT. Hope you had a terrific weekend. My name is Darren Pritchett. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, February the 19th of 2024. Two hours of Sports Beat coming your way here on WSBT Radio. We've got a couple of guests lined up for tonight's show. You will hear from Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com at 5.30. We will talk Notre Dame football, discuss the extension for defensive coordinator Al Golden, Dylan McCullough getting an extra title added to his resume. We'll talk about the tight end position, the Shamrock Series games, and we'll sneak in a little Irish women's basketball talk because the Irish are down at Duke tonight, 7 o'clock tip. You can hear the game on our sister station live, 99.9. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.45. At 6.10, we're going to be joined by the voice of high school basketball in our area, Chuck Freeby from... WHME 46 Sports. They will be featuring Mishawaka and Penn tomorrow from the cave at Mishawaka High School, a game that you can also hear on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Two really good basketball teams scoring off at the cave tomorrow night. So Chuck will join me at 610 to talk a little high school hoops, and we'll ask him a couple of Notre Dame football questions as well. I've got my top five storylines of the weekend ready to go, and our sports wagering segment, as always, wraps up the program. Another lousy week in February. I can't wait till we start in March. This has been a bad month. Seven and nine last week and only one and three on Friday. We've got four picks ready to go for tonight's program here on WSBT Radio. The Daytona 500 is underway a day late due to some rough weather they have had down in Florida the last few days. The 500 got underway about, I'd say, 40 minutes ago or so. And we've already had a crash take out some drivers on lap number six. Somebody got into someone's backside. They weren't lined up properly, and that caused a left turn. And 
Then cars got taken along with it, including one of the great NASCAR drivers, Jimmy Johnson, who looks weird in the 84 car rather than the 48 he won championships with. So we had a little excitement early on in the race. Now they're starting to settle in. Christopher Bell and Ryan Blaney are playing catch with the lead right now. And Winamax, Justin Haley, of course, in the 500. He has been right around 20th spot the last few laps. So good luck to Justin today in the great American race, the Daytona 500. We'll keep you updated on anything that happens in that race throughout the program. Let's get to our hat trick of opening topics here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll start things off with Notre Dame football making some headlines. Al Golden and Dylan McCullough are locked in. At least for now, and hopefully it stays that way. We know in coaching things can change, but exciting news over the weekend. Inside Indy Sports, Eric Hansen, Tyler James, they reported Golden had signed a four-year contract extension to remain Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. They're reporting the deal is worth around $9 million. So it is great news that Al Golden is sticking around South Bend. Keep in mind, for the first time since pass efficiency defense became an NCAA stat in 1990, Notre Dame finished number one in that category in 2023. Also, the Irish finished fifth in total defense last year for only the second time since ERA retired in 1974 with the nation's top unit, the 1980 Irish team, was fourth. So last year's defense up there with the greats in Notre Dame history. So the Irish are really set up for another successful season on defense in 2024 with Al Golden leading the way. Now they lost safeties coach Chris O'Leary to the LA Chargers, but it looks like Mike Mickens, the cornerback coach, will handle those duties as well. Looks like they're going to move up. Someone to the linebacker position. I know InsideIndieSports.com has been covering that. But otherwise, defensively, this unit's looking really good. You hit a home run in the offseason by getting both of these guys back, defensive linemen Howard Cross and Riley Mills. In December, I think we all would have taken one of the two back. You worry about losing both. But you get both back, and what a great, great start to building your defensive line in 2024 with two guys who have been and can continue to be dominant players for this Fighting Irish defense up front. You got an old Grizzly veteran who can be used in a lot of different ways, a versatile linebacker in Jack Kaiser. You've got one of the best corners in the country returning in Benjamin Morrison and the Nagurski Award winner, safety Xavier Watts, came back for another year. Defense has a chance to be excellent. On paper, long way to go until we play the first game, but on paper right now, in my opinion, the offenses Notre Dame will face in 2024 Compared to 2023, I'm not sure they stack up. Time will tell, right? That's why they play the game. So good to have Al Golden getting this four-year contract extension. InsideIndieSports.com had the reports on that. 
And also, running back coach Dylan McCullough has added the title of associate head coach to his resume. What an amazing job McCullough has done. A guy with NFL experience, great leader of the running back room, developing, recruiting, I mean running back recruitment, the best it has been in my 25 years in South Bend. I mean exceptional stuff being done by McCullough and the rest of the Irish coaching staff by bringing in not just running backs. They're bringing in running backs, my friend. They are bringing in great talent when you can go five, six deep. Pretty exciting stuff. So a nice addition to Dylan McCullough's resume, associate head coach of the Fighting Irish. And I'm sure he was the guy in demand during the offseason and a nice promotion for him and well-deserved. Let me add that as well. Our second opening topic for tonight, Notre Dame adds another three-star wide receiver to their class of 2025. We need to continue to say this because we are very early on in the recruiting cycle for 2025 when it comes to all the recruiting services properly putting these players in the right star category you're probably going to see more three stars than ever this time of the year because there's a lot of players that have not been fully evaluated, maybe have not been seen by the right people. So don't let three stars scare you. A lot of times these will change down the line. I think that one of the offensive linemen in the 2024 cycle, very late in the process, Styles Penrod went from a three to a four star. At the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything, but I know it's one way for you, the fan, to evaluate the type of player that your favorite team is getting. But right now, don't get worked up about it. It'll eventually work itself out. And the Irish have added another three-star wide receiver to that outstanding 2025 class. He is Sean Terry. He's had a lot of offers from some big-time schools, including Michigan, USC, Tennessee, Oregon, and Oklahoma. That's a sample. And the Irish got him. Not a big guy. 5'11", 180 out of Ironton, Ohio. You got to be pretty tough to be from Ironton, Ohio. But this guy uses his speed to do damage. Now, he received an offer from Notre Dame on January 20th during the Irish Junior Day event. According to the On3 Industry Ranking, Terry ranks as the 532nd best player in the country. Again, very early in the process. He is listed as the number 86 wide receiver and number 17 player in the state of Ohio. Excellent speed. I would call him a crafty runner. He is a guy that can really hurt a defense with yards after the catch. He is someone that could contribute right away on special teams. He is an exceptional return man. So Sean Terry joins another three-star, Elijah Burris, as the two wide receivers so far in the number one ranked Notre Dame class of 2025. And Sean Terry becomes commitment number 16. So Mike Brown, the new wide receiver coach, off and running with the 25 class. Elijah Burris and now Sean Terry verbally committing to this Fighting Irish football program. Our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. 
We are inching closer to the start of Hoosier Hysteria. In fact, we are seven days away from the craziness to get underway at various iconic gyms across the state of Indiana. There's three sectionals of note that we'll be following more than all the others. The most competitive by far and maybe the most difficult to predict is going to be at Northside Gym. The 4A Elkhart sectional, I could argue you could play it five times and you would have different teams possibly winning it each time. Probably a team or two would win it twice, but you could argue three or four teams could win that title. What a great, great sectional. This is the way it lined up with the the old draw last night where the regular season doesn't matter. There's no seeding. We just draw names out of a hat or something more dramatic than that. But in Elkhart next week, a terrific first-round doubleheader. Concord will take on Goshen. Concord, part of a three-way tie for first place in the Northern Lakes Conference, taking on a Goshen team that's got some good scoring. They had some near misses late in the year trying to knock off Northern Lakes Conference team. So Concord versus Goshen, the winner, Not an easy task. They get the Warsaw Tigers in the Elkhart sectional semifinal. These type of matchups, if you get Concord and Warsaw in a semifinal, absolute coin flip. Also next Tuesday, NIC versus NLC. As the Penn Kingsmen will take on Northridge, Northridge, part of that three-way tie for the NLC lead. Penn hurting their chances winning the NIC with that loss at South Bend, Washington recently. But these two teams played a tight game earlier in the year. That's going to be a dramatic first-round matchup over at Northside Gym next Tuesday. Game two, Penn against Northridge. And in the old IHSAA way of doing things, you can go 3-17 and 17 in the regular season, yet get a bye into the semifinals, and that's the case. Elkhart took them a long time to win a game. They're now 3-17. and 17. Elkhart gets a bye, and they will get the winner of Penn versus Northridge. So many would argue the winner of Penn-Northridge will play for a sectional championship a week from Saturday against the winner of the top portion of the draw. No doubt the favorites to come out would be either Concord or Warsaw. So pretty much you're guaranteed an excellent excellent sectional final in Elkhart unless Elkhart or Goshen pulls off an upset because Concord, Warsaw, Penn, Northridge play that off several times, you're probably going to have a different winner. That's how competitive it is. Of course, the Kingsmen made it to the Final Four last year, riding the great play of guard Marcus Burton. And now a new-look Penn team is trying to win a sectional title over at Elkhart next week. Class 4A at Mishawaka action. That you'll be able to hear on 96-1 the ton. South Bend Riley is the favorite to take the Mishawaka 4A championship. The IHSAA Television Network had the draw yesterday, and there were two broadcasters on there. One said they believe outside of Indianapolis, and you got to throw in Kokomo there, I guess, as well, that South Bend Riley is the best team outside of Central 
Indiana. And the Wildcats have played a very aggressive schedule this year, and they have stood up very, very well. And honestly, they deserve to buy into the semifinals with their terrific play so far this year and the heavy favorites to win the Mishawaka sectional. Here's the way the draw played out at Mishawaka. You've got NLC versus Doonlin next Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Co-NLC champion Mishawaka will take on the Laporte Slicers. Mishawaka ended a 37-year sectional drought by winning the Laporte sectional last year. These two teams met three years ago at the Michigan City sectional. And now they're going to meet again this year, Laporte. Just got hammered by Portage in one of the more recent games while Mishawaka stunned by an NLC one-win team, Wawasee, on Saturday, 54-51, costing Mishawaka the outright Northern Lakes Conference Championship. And Wawasee made Concord and Northridge very, very happy. And Mishawaka's got a tough road entering the sectional. They host Penn and St. Joe this week. The winner of Mishawaka-Laporte, gets an 8-13 South Bend Adams basketball team who hit eight threes last Tuesday at home against Mishawaka, a game the Cavemen won by a bucket. The other part of the Mishawaka draw, it is Plymouth taking on Michigan City. The Pilgrims have been down for some time now. Michigan City, last year they thought it was going to be the year in which they won their first ever sectional championship. But Mishawaka knocked them off in the championship game, 77-68. And a time for another go-around for the Wolves. They get Plymouth in the first matchup. And if Michigan City wins, it's a rematch with South Bend Riley. Michigan City went blow-to-blow with the Wildcats earlier this year. Riley walked away with a two-point victory. That's the way the Mishawaka sectional lines up. You'll be able to hear action next week on 96-1 the ton from that sectional. Class 3A at South Bend, Washington. Mishawaka Marion is tournament ready. This team has been one of the more dominant teams in the area under Rob Berger. They always get better as the season goes on. Normally, they're really, really good at the start of the year. They got off to a slow start this year. You look up, Marion has won 10 in a row. And they get on the... Who's your hysteria train? And normally things go well, but last year they were upset by South Bend Washington in the sectional final, and they draw an up-and-down Washington team. This year, it'll be the Panthers and the Knights. Game one at South Bend Washington next Tuesday night. Again, the Knights have won 10 in a row, and for my money, a slight favorite to win this sectional over the team they might play in the semifinals if Marion wins. It's the Holy Wars semifinal round matchup. Marion and St. Joe. Marion just edged St. Joe recently in a regular season game. That would be a dandy. Then the bottom half of the draw, you've got New Prairie taking on Jimtown next Tuesday night in game two. Jimtown's had a very quiet, nice season. The winner of that matchup will get kind of the sentimental favorite, I would say, in Hoosier Hysteria this year, South Bend Clay, proud basketball tradition, 1994 state champions. But this is the final year.
for South Bend Clay High School, and they get a bye into the semifinals. Colonials are 11-10, and and they just routed New Prairie in their final home game last Friday night. Jimtown, Clay might be your matchup in the semifinal. That would be the likely outcome, I would have to say. So you could have Marion St. Joe, Jimtown, Clay in the semifinals. You could argue Marion and St. Joe, if the teams were seeded, would be 1-2. But in this format, they would play in a sectional semifinal. So that's the three major sectionals in our area. Elkhart, it's really hard to pick a favorite. If I had to, slight advantage for Concord, but by just a couple of arm hairs, that's, that's it. Mishawaka, Riley, a significant favorite. And at South Bend, Washington, I would give Marion a little bit of an advantage over the field. But St. Joe, who's played really well late in the year, they have come on strong. That's going to be a heck of a semifinal if it happens. Hoosier Hysteria is coming up next week. And a lot of balance in the area. I've talked about it all year. Everybody kind of beat everybody. Riley may be the exception. Concord had a a double-digit win streak. During the season, Marion's got a 10-game winning streak, but a lot of parity in the area. We're going to have some wild sectionals, I have a feeling, next week. All right, 528 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. First Aid Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner, First State Bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. My name is Darren Pritchett. We'll talk Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. Partly cloudy and chilly tonight with lows in the mid-20s. Bright sunshine overhead tomorrow, climbing to around 50. Feeling like spring through midweek as our highs stay in the low to mid-50s. We're not going to be dry forever. Stray rain showers possible late Wednesday ahead of isolated showers Thursday. We'll see a brief cool snap Friday. Highs upper 30s as we start to dry out. We aren't going to be in the 30s for long. Back to a spring-like feel this weekend. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Jessica Burns. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Make sure that you do everything to get these kids ready to have success. It starts with giving them your heart. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Now it's going to be to take this team to the next level, and and I'm excited for that challenge. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey, they know the expectations here. They better be loud and crazy and make sure everybody knows how special it is to play in Notre Dame Stadium. We continue on with Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday evening. It's time to talk Notre Dame football with the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 
He is Tyler Horka. He joins me every Monday to talk some Fighting Irish football. Just a couple of weeks, Tyler, until we're going to have a whole lot to talk about. Spring football is just right around the corner, so I guess this is kind of the calm before the storm and a chance for you to get a little extra sleep before the chaos begins. Yeah, I missed you last weekend because I was actually down in Dallas for the Super Bowl. My brother turned 30 the day after the Super Bowl, and I figured, well, you only do that once, so I should probably be down there for that. Had a lot of people at his house watching the game and then played some golf on uh, Monday morning. So not a lot of sleep last week, but these next few weeks I am here stationed in South Bend and, yeah, just kind of taking it easy because, man, it really is a sprint from mid-March through the end of April. I think the spring game is, I don't know, it's usually that second to last weekend in April. April 20th. They announced the date the other. Is it April 20th? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, mid-March through April 20th, it's it's definitely a sprint in, uh, in all kinds of content at com in that period. So I'm going to take these last few weeks of February to kind of chill out. Just as you were talking about your trip, I was just thinking through my tenure here, Tyrone Willingham and Brian Kelly were big golfers. Does Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. golf? No, I actually heard him on various podcasts and whatnot. Uh, kind of poke fun at his own golf game, just the way you and I would, our own as well. So um, I don't think he's too big into that uh into that sphere. So I guess that's the first time in what, over 20 years? Or I guess I don't know about Charlie Weiss either. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't take me as a big golf guy, but I don't think Marcus is one either. Charlie hosted charity golf tournaments. I think that might be as far as it went. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little football. First off, some news recently. Al Golden signing an extension to stay on as defensive coordinator. Deal McCullough gets an additional title. Associate head coach, the significance of those two moves. Yeah, obviously the golden thing. I know Notre Dame fans are excited, and you should be, because it means he's at least here through the 2024 season. But, I mean, those contracts are as good as a kid saying that he's going to play at Notre Dame for four full years, and then he's got the luxury or the ability, whatever you want to call it, to, I don't know, go to LSU or go anywhere else Notre Dame kids have transferred to in the last couple of years. So, it's a good thing because Notre Dame is showing that it wants Golden around for those four years. That's what this means is Notre Dame saying, hey, if you want to be here at Notre Dame for the next four years, we will have you and we'll give you some more money and you know, tell us what you need because we'll have it for you. But if Al Golden wants to, I feel like, Darren, we're going to play this. Is Al Golden going to jump ship game every single offseason because he's that good of a coach and he's got the ability to do that if he wants to. But – from the Notre Dame, Notre Dame side of things, extending that, 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 you know, offer contract, whatever you want to call it, you know, reaching out your hand and saying, we want you here. If you want to be here, that is the commitment that Notre Dame is looking for. And now you've got a couple of coordinators in Mike Denbrock and Al Golden that are very experienced, know what they're doing. And that's, you know, that's comfort, that's stability, that's cohesion for the Notre Dame coaching staff. As far as Dylan McCullough getting that uh, extra title associate head coach, I think that's awesome because he's on his way to being an offensive coordinator, just like Mike Mickens, who, who's kind of gotten his own title bumps in the last couple of years, passing game coordinator on the defensive side. Looks like he's going to coach all of the Notre Dame defensive backs, not just the corners. Those are a couple guys who are going to be coordinators at the college level sometime soon. And just every year that you retain guys like that, really great recruiters in their own rights as well. 
every single year that you have those guys remaining on staff is a big win, a big plus. Goes back to that continuity and cohesion thing that I just talked about too. There was not a whole lot of turnover with the staff. Yeah, you lose Jerry Parker to Troy, but you probably upgrade with Mike Denbrock and then you didn't lose a whole lot else. So I think the Notre Dame coaching staff just, you know, with these moves and, and the way the rest of the cycle has played out very favorably for Notre Dame. It's really interesting, Tyler, how in a year, a narrative, whether it was fair or not, has been altered during the whole offensive coordinator search a year ago where we ended up with Jared Parker. It didn't seem like from the outside looking in that Notre Dame was all in to helping Marcus Freeman get the guy necessary to get this team to a playoff position. They ended up with Jared Parker, but then they ended up with Mike Denbrock this year, which you had to spend a lot of money to get him. And now you're heavily investing in your other coordinator spot, Al Golden, and you got to give up a few more coins for the promotion of Dela McCullough. Doesn't it feel like that narrative is now long gone? It does. And I think you could look at it two ways. And again, the truth is not completely out there, but let's just look at the administration. Let's look at the guys who are pulling these strings, making these moves. They told us a year ago that it wasn't a money thing. And it, it, Andy Ludwig, that's obviously the offensive coordinator shenanigans that we're talking about here. He was at Notre Dame and then he wasn't at Notre Dame. Why? Well, everyone said it's because Notre Dame didn't pay the buyout. Maybe that is the case that, that if it was, not a great look for Notre Dame. But what is a great look for Notre Dame is exactly one year later, not even a calendar year later, you go out and steal the leader of the number one offense in the country, the guy who coached the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, LSU, all the talent that they bring in, that is a cushy job. You brought him back to Notre Dame. That, that is a huge response. If it was a buyout mishap with the Notre Dame administration, what they do, they turn around and gave Mike Denbrock whatever he needed and wanted to come back to Notre Dame. Cha-ching. And if it wasn't a, a buyout deal and Andy Ludwig just kind of did what he did and wanted to stay at Utah, whatever, well, Notre Dame went hunting again for a really good offensive coordinator, probably even a bigger one, a better name, and, and got him. So however you want to look at it, Darren, I totally agree with you. Uh, th that whole thing, like where we were feeling at this time last year, February 19th, 2023, the world was on fire for Notre Dame because they couldn't get the <laughs> offensive coordinator that they wanted. I mean, wasn't it right around this time, Darren, when uh, Ludwig was at that uh, football game or that hockey game at Compton Family Ice Arena uh, in mid-February? Now none of that matters because they got their guys. Uh, they got Al Golden to stay. They got Mike Denbrock from LSU, and everything is looking up for this team in 2024. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at Blue and Gold. Dot com. The worst-kept secret in college football, Notre Dame and Army, now announced as the Shamrock Series game at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx in November. So the Irish will play two service academies on their 2024 schedule. The Shamrock Series, the Irish are 11-0 in these neutral site games. Notre Dame can spread their educational and spiritual message to other markets across the country with these games, but it also takes away a Notre Dame home game and moves it to a neutral site. Now, it's not hurt the Irish. They're 11-0. I would like your perspective as, I don't want to say a newcomer on the beat, but you're newer than a lot of the, the mm -hmm. people on the beat. What is your perspective on Notre Dame moving a home game. I mean, you've cover, covered other universities. Is it strange mm -hmm. to you? Do you understand why they do it? Uh, well, here's the thing. My 
my perspective has already been shaped by Notre Dame fans because there are a lot of them and they are very loud. I can already, I mean, it, it's already started on our message board, Darren, the griping, uh, losing the home game. Why are we playing two service academies? We're going to run them both off the field. In uh, this is going to carry on for Notre Dame all year, especially if you do lose to A&M or uh, Florida State gets you, or especially if you have two losses and you're sitting there saying, okay, how are we going to win back the, the graces of the college football playoff posters and then the committee and all that by playing Navy and by playing Army? So I, I know there's going to be a whole lot of griping. As far as losing the home game, I, I think that's a cool thing, honestly. Like, if if you – for example, Darren, if you give me the choice of playing Army at Notre Dame Stadium or Army at um, Yankee Stadium – in New York City, I'm going to take Yankee Stadium every single time just because Notre Dame has the resources, the ability, the fan base, the nationwide type of thing to do that. And a lot of, a lot of other programs couldn't do that. Like you mentioned the other programs that I covered. I mean, I went to Texas. I covered Mississippi State. Those two schools can't play Army at Yankee Stadium and have it be a big <laughs> deal or a cool deal. And I get geography has some, something to do with that, but it's not like South Bend, Indiana is, is very close in New York City, and those other places are a little further, obviously. But, I mean, that's, it, it, I think the comparison works. Like, you can't just have Texas play a service academy wherever and, and everyone's going to be interested. This is Notre Dame. This is Army. I think the interest is going to be there. Yeah, you lose a home game, but I still stand by it. If you give me the choice of playing them here or playing them at Yankee Stadium, you go play at Yankee Stadium because not a lot of programs can do that. You're telling me there's a difference between Eddy Street Commons and Times Square? <laughs> Uh, just a little bit, you know, maybe a few more places to eat and drink and a, couple a little more. sightseeing. Just a few. It's cleaner, though. Yeah. Oh, 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 absolutely. I love taking a stroll down Eddy Street. Give me some Chipotle, go in for a beer at a works, anything like that. Um, I wouldn't advise taking out in New York City and, and letting my food kind of hit that air, whereas no. I, I would gladly sit on the porch at Chipotle and Eddie Street Commons and, and enjoy a burrito right there, no problem. I like the sound of that. As we get ready for spring practice, I'm wondering what your take is on the tight end position. We have seen young tight ends get on the field pretty consistently the last couple of years. Cooper Flanagan had opportunities last year. As you go into spring practice, and of course you got a couple of guys coming off knee injuries and Mitchell Evans mm-hmm. and, and Bowman. What is your take on what the tight end position could mean for the Fighting Irish this year? I tell you what, uh, this position actually kind of scares me a little bit if Mitchell Evans is not healthy. And you mentioned Kevin Bauman not being 100% spring practice either, I would imagine. I know that injury happened in uh, August or September, so maybe he is working his way back. But Mitchell Evans definitely won't be a full participant in uh, these spring practices. So, uh, and then you lost Holden Spades, obviously, to Tennessee. I, I thought he was a really good up and coming pass catcher, but uh, it's going to be Eli Raritan and Cooper Flanagan. See if those guys can start breaking out because I think the potential for Eli Raritan and so many different guys like him for so many different reasons. But, like, I, I felt like when he came back from his knee injury, we're, we're talking about too many knee injuries with this position, obviously. Uh, there was just like a little bit more that he could have offered or a different gear he could have got to that I don't think he ever did. Um, and look, we're, we're judging all these guys up against uh, the Tommy Trembles and the Michael Mayers and the Cole Komets who just r- ran through here. But, you know, Evans 
is that. And he showed that through six or seven games last year before his injury without him. I'm not so sure. It's going to have to be like a, a prove it to me type of situation with these guys, because I mean, I've, I've written so many different stories at blue and gold.com Darren about these guys. And it's here are the numbers for this Notre Dame tight end room with Mitchell Evans. And then here are them without, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but I do know that there is a huge disparity and, it's time for guys like Eli Raritan to step up and Cooper Flanagan to break out in a sophomore season, Kevin Bauman to stay healthy, hopefully. And cause, cause that's full strength. It's definitely a deep and very good room, but I mean, these, these guys have set a precedent of not staying healthy at this point. Quick thought on Keon Sab, a Michigan safety that is the, in the transfer portal. And he is getting a lot of attention from all the major programs, including mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Yeah, and including Georgia and Alabama and Penn State and Auburn and, like, you know, Big Ten, SEC, doesn't matter. They're all going after him. So I think it's good that Notre Dame is in that conversation or having those conversations with him. And then you look at the safety position. I mean, it's Xavier Watts and everybody else. I get that Rod Hurd coming in from Northwestern. They want him to play safety, but he played pretty much exclusively nickel corner last year. So that's an adjustment for him. And if you're going to throw him – at one of those safety spots and, and ask him to play 600 snaps. I don't know if you're comfortable with that going into the season. So if the numbers work and you can add a depth piece, uh, a guy like Sab who started five games for the 15 and 0 national champion, Michigan Wolverines, uh, you take him. I don't know if he's all American level or anything like that. Like, I don't know if he's going to break out like Xavier Watts did, but if you end up at Michigan and you're a national champion and you've got all these games played and games started under your belt at a place like that, then you could surely play at a place like Notre Dame. And it's definitely a position that Notre Dame needs some experience and some depth at as well. Tyler, how about a quick thought on tonight's Notre Dame women's basketball game at Duke, 7 o'clock on our sister station, live 99.9. If the Irish win, they're in sixth place in the league. If they lose, they fall all the way down to eighth place. And Duke has not been an easy out for the Irish the last couple of years. No, I think they're 0 and 3 and you know it's a three game losing streak to these to this team. Neil Ivy has never beaten he's only played them twice so this will be the third time in her three, or her four years here. Uh and it Kara Lawson knows what she's doing. I mean, she's a very good name in women's college basketball, smart, uh intelligent coach. Did this at the highest level a couple of decades ago herself, maybe even less than that. So coached scrappy team number one defense in the ACC and if you look at Notre Dame's last game it's offense that plagued them in that one against NC State only scoring 43 points shooting 26.9 percent I think it was I mean it was it was an abysmal day offensively for Notre Dame so it's a tough task to come back on the road to a team like that but here's something that Notre Dame has going for it it has not lost back-to-back games in the last three years Uh, so ever since Neil Ivey got that first 500 season out of the way. The COVID season, it was a weird one. It kind of flushed that. Uh, what this program has been in the last three seasons has been one that bounces back from losses and kind of gets the ship going in the right direction after it looks like it, it was sinking. So it was a sinking ship against NC State a couple nights ago at home, only scoring 43 points. But you can kind of absolve some of that. If you go on the road at Duke, a, a pretty good team, team that is slated to be in the NCAA tournament right now and, and get a really big road victory. So I wouldn't say it's really Jekyll and Hyde for the Notre Dame team. They're still better than that. I mean, 18-6 and six isn't too terrible. A little bit disappointing with some of the losses, but this would be one of their better if they can go on the road and beat Duke. 
Tyler, what's happening right now at blueandgold.com? Yeah, plenty going on there. Um, Recruiting-wise, we've got some stuff going up um, on basketball, obviously, both teams, baseball even, uh, with the series opening of Rice down in Houston. So uh, I think that is awesome. We even have a, a roundup of the, the lacrosse teams. My colleague Jack Sobel wrote about both of those teams because, let's be honest, they're, they're kicking some butt, both of those teams, and I think that's pretty cool uh, to have those two teams doing really well. So just kind of – in the spring swing of things, obviously, like I was saying at the beginning of this, it's going to be very football, football, football heavy once spring practice hits in the middle of March. But kind of in that gray area right now, you can read all about all of those other sports and definitely recruiting. So uh, like I always say, uh, it may be the downtime for football, but we still got everything rocking and rolling at blueandgold.com. Have a great week. We'll try it again next Monday. All right. I will talk to you then. Thank you, sir. That is Tyler Horka. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. The Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. It is 551. Twitter question of the day is coming up in just a couple of moments. WHME 46 is Chuck Freebie's going to join me at 610. A lot more to get to. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, 556 on this Monday evening. Each weekday, we have a Twitter X question of the day, our sports beat, insideindiesports.com. Twitter X question of the day. On Friday, we played off the news that. The college football video game from EA Sports is coming back after about a 10-year hiatus. Now that we have our NIL system, the players whose likeness is going to be in the game, they can benefit from that. So, with that news, I ask this question. If there was an EA Sports College Football 25 video game featuring a Notre Dame theme on the cover. Of these four choices, who should be on the cover of the video game? So it's a Notre Dame theme on the cover. Like Madden always picks one player to be the Madden cover person. And normally bad things happen to that person once they're on the cover. So if there was a Notre Dame football theme to this video game, from the players or representatives of the team on this year's roster, who would you choose? I gave you four choices. Head coach, Marcus Freeman. Brand new quarterback, Riley Leonard. Safety, Xavier Watts. Or cornerback, Benjamin Morrison. I had some people say, why isn't the rocket on there? Joe Montana, I'm going with guys on the roster now. So, here are the results from Friday's question. Are you surprised by this? Fourth place was new quarterback Riley Leonard. Usually quarterbacks win these type of questions or debates because they're popular. They get the most credit. Sometimes they get a lot of the blame. But Riley Leonard came in fourth place. He only got 3% of the vote. 
That's surprising. At least to me. Third place in the voting. Getting 17% of your vote. Outstanding Irish cornerback Benjamin Morrison entering his junior campaign. Second place in the voting. The Nagurski Award winner. Safety, Xavier Watts got 35% of the vote. And if EA Sports College Football 25 video game featured a Notre Dame-themed cover, who would you want on the cover? Winning the vote at 45%, your head coach, just showing how popular he is, Marcus Freeman. We thank you so much for voting. We greatly appreciate it. I'm trying to think if the Madden game has ever had a coach on the cover. Now, John Madden, after he passed away, I believe they put him on the cover. For a while, there was a head coaching spinoff in the Madden game. I remember Tony Dungy was on that. But you guys would go with Marcus Freeman, and I can't blame you. So let's take that question a little further. So again, if there was an EA Sports College Football 25 video game featuring a Notre Dame legend since 2000, since 2000, Of these four, who would you choose? Now, I got some pushback on my wide receiver choice. It came down to three. Jeff Samarja, Will Fuller, and Michael Floyd. My personal pick was Michael Floyd. I know others said Samarja, others said Fuller. It's a coin flip. I just went with my number one choice. So here's the four you have to choose from. Quarterback Brady Quinn. Wide receiver, Michael Floyd. Linebacker, Manti Teo. Or offensive lineman, Quinton Nelson. EA Sports College Football 25 video game. If you're putting a Notre Dame legend on the cover since 2000, since 2000, who would you choose? Quinn, Floyd, Teo, Nelson. Results coming up on tomorrow's program. You can vote right now on Twitter X at my account at 960 Sports Beep. The voice of high school basketball in our area, Chuck Freebie, is going to join me in our next segment. We'll talk about his matchup tomorrow night. We'll talk some Notre Dame football, maybe get a thought on Micah Shrewsbury as well. The Hall of Famer, Chuck Freebie, joins me in a couple of moments here on WSBT. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 611 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We continue on with our program brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Hall of Fame broadcaster Chuck Freebie joins me right now. He's the voice of high school sports in our area and has been very busy throughout the basketball season and a lot of fun still to come with boys basketball sectionals starting a week from tonight. And the 46 crew will be at the Cave tomorrow night for a little rivalry matchup between Penn and Mishawaka. Chuck, always a pleasure to talk to you. How are you? I'm well, DP. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Greatly appreciate your time as always. And I well, got it's great to be with you. And I'll tell you what, what a thrill that had to be for you uh, last Friday night to call Cooper's first varsity dunk. 
yes, I had to be resuscitated <laughs> because I couldn't <laughs> believe he had never dunked before. But I guess sometimes adrenaline does wonderful things. So, yeah, thank you. It was a thrill of a lifetime, and I've had a lot of thrills the last 13, 14 months with this Mishawaka basketball team. And we'll see what happens tomorrow night. There's a lot of a lot of storylines between these two teams, Penn and Mishawaka, but it comes down to the guys on the floor tomorrow night. What are your early impressions of Mishawaka? I know you haven't seen Mishawaka, I don't believe, in person this year, but early thoughts of Bodie Bender's team? Well, it, it's a classic Bodie Bender team from the standpoint of the emphasis really being on defense and execution. I think many people were surprised Saturday night when they lost at Wawasee, and especially because of the way they lost, the Mishawaka shot the ball tremendously well in that game, probably made as many three-pointers as they've made in a game all season long, but where they got beat was in the second-chance points. I think Wawasee outscored them something like 13-4 to in second-chance points, and obviously that wound up being the difference in the ball game. Uh, but typically, Bodie's team's uh, even when he was down at Carroll, put the emphasis on playing terrific defense, uh, a high level on offensive execution, what I mean by that, taking high percentage shots, knowing uh, basically knowing who you are. If you watch the Cavemen over the course of this season, for the most point, they don't take a lot of three-pointers because they realize they're not necessarily the best three-point shooting team. And so I think... Bodie's got a good handle on what he has this year. And, and this is a really interesting matchup tomorrow night because these are two teams that really do emphasize defense quite a bit. And the Wawasee game, I would say there was some attention to detail on the defensive end that Mishawaka did not execute at their normal level. I think it's shocking that a veteran team with everything on the line struggled the way they did. But now you got Penn coming in, and I remember watching the Penn-Warsaw game on the stream on 46, and Penn stayed in that game with offensive rebounding. I mean, Warsaw had a really tough time keeping Penn off the offensive rebounds, and Saying what you said about Mishawaka's struggles on Saturday, it's not going to be any easier with the Kingsmen coming to the cave with the way they hit the glass. Oh, gosh, no. Now, the one thing that might be working for Mishawaka is Penn's quite a bit banged up. They've been playing the last few games without both Dominic Bonner and Alex Hawthorne, who are a couple of their starters, typically. And their fine freshman, Peyton Miamba, has been limited in his play as well. Uh, nobody's going to cry any tears for the Kingsmen, though, because they've got some uh, very adroit players offensively, including a, a terrific post player by the name of Maverick Brown, mm -hmm. who is able to get to the basket in some unusual ways sometimes. You look at him and you wouldn't think, well, this is your classic post player, but he is a big, strong kid. I mean, that strength and conditioning program over a pen is no joke, <laughs> and I think it's it has won a couple of games for Barrett Kuhlman's squad this year. Uh, Trey Miller's got a nice outside shot. You definitely have to be up on him. Casey Finn has been playing a lot better as of late. So I, I think you point out something very good in the fact that Mishawaka has to do a great job on the boards, but I think they also have to make sure that they close out on Penn shooters because Penn is not afraid to hoist the three and they have a number of people that can hit it. How can folks watch the Penn-Mishawaka game? Well, we're not live streaming it because we don't want to take away from what the Mishawaka Network does. 
So what we'll do is Wednesday night at 9, we'll air it, and we'll air it on both TV46 and on YouTube for those who might be listening from out of town. And it airs again Thursday afternoon at 2. So it uh, gives you a little bit of a uh, couple of opportunities to, to catch that broadcast. And, of course, you can listen to Brian Miller tomorrow night on 96.1 The Ton and then watch our game, and you'll sit there and say, gosh, Brian's a lot better than those guys. <laughs> wow, look at that. You can tell why he's a Hall of Famer. He just tied everything together, radio and TV. We greatly appreciate that. Chuck Freebie is my guest. I have attempted throughout the basketball season to rank the area teams in the NIC and the NLC. South Bend Riley. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I know. That's my question that's coming. South Bend Riley has been easy to vote number one. They are in my opinion, ahead of everybody else. And then two through eight in my ranking, I feel like you could throw them up in the air and put them in any order, and it wouldn't be too far off, especially with Marion winning 10 in a row. The back end of their schedule, they've snuck into the top eight. I'm just wondering, are you seeing this parody in all the gyms that you're going to? And I'm just wondering, is it because there might be the lack of what I would call dominant players in the area there's just a lot of really good balanced players and teams in the area there won't be an indiana all-star from our viewing area or listening area this year we don't have a marcus burton as we've had in the past or players the the caliber of a a demisi anderson players like that there just isn't one this year at least not in the senior group that's part of it yes I think another part of it is, and and this ne- isn't necessarily the greatest promotion of the sport, but the fact of the matter is there aren't a lot of teams that shoot it very well around here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and until that gets resolved, you see a lot of uh, scores that are in the, the 40s or 50s because, quite frankly, there just aren't a lot of great shooters in the area. I agree with your assessment on Riley. I think they are the most talented team and the best team in the area. It doesn't necessarily going to mean they're going to win their sectional. They they could be one and done if they wind up playing Michigan City. And Riley jumped out to a 12 nothing lead on Michigan City when they played in the regular season and only beat them by two. Um, that could be troublesome for the Cats in the first game that they play in the Mishawaka sectional. I agree also that Marion right now is as hot and playing as well as any team mm-hmm. in our area. Uh, the fact is, in their sectional, they're 5-0 and against the teams in their sectional, including a very good St. Joe team who seems to change quarter to quarter. I mean, <laughs> they went in and blitzed South Bend Washington the other night, and then there are nights like the night we had against Marion where they can't buy a three-point. Hmm. Chuck so, Freebie's my guest. Oh, go ahead, Chuck. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, from a talent standpoint, St. Joe might be as good as Riley or any other team in this area, but they have not played to that level this year. I just want you to give me a quick thought on the Elkhart sectional, which is the most fascinating sectional, in my opinion, in our immediate area, just because, and I don't want to disrespect Goshen and Elkhart, but the other four teams, you could play this multiple times, and it would not shock me. We would have a different winner every time with Warsaw, Concord, Northridge, and Penn. What do you see the teams over there at Northside Gym next week? There's a couple things that stand out to me, Darren. Obviously, the Penn-Northridge game on Tuesday night, 
that's a headliner that everybody's going to want to see. And there are a lot of people that think the winner of that game uh, basically sails on into the championship game because they play in the same bracket as Elkhart. So 10 beat Northridge by eight in overtime in Middlebury uh, back in January. That is pretty much meaningless when, <laughs> when it comes to next Tuesday night. Um, you got two veteran coaches in Barrett Kuhlman and Scott Radiker. It'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. I think Brady Scholl, the big man for Northridge, has been playing better and a lot better than he was when he played against Penn the first time. That might be a big difference maker for Northridge. Upper part of the bracket, yes, Goshen looks to be counted out, especially once they lost their big man, Ryan Eldridge, but Gage mm. Worthman and yeah. Levi Sawatsky have been shooting the ball very well as of late, putting up some good numbers. What would worry me about Concord, and Derek Deshaun's done a marvelous job with this team. Their defense is terrific but they don't score a lot of points. So they're never really burying teams. And can they put Goshen away and get a little bit of rest before they play Warsaw? The best news for Warsaw was the bye means they only have to get on the bus and make that long trek from Warsaw to Elkhart <laughs> twice during the week instead of three times. And that's a huge difference for Matt Moore's team. The question would be, can they generate the offense that they could not generate the first time that they played Concord this year? But you're right. There's four teams in that field. If you believe in the Sagarin ratings that get published on the great John Harrell website, those four teams at Elkhart are separated by 2.7 Sagarin points. Wow. Amazing. That's like the difference between your knife and your fork on your place setting. <laughs> Definitely not the difference between our respective grade point averages, to say the least. Chuck Freeby is my <laughs> guest here on WSBT Radio. Are you guys going to be calling games on Tuesday? Uh, we will not do the Tuesday night of the sectional. We okay. will do Friday, and we'll be at Mishawaka. More oh. than like, I believe we're doing that Riley-Michigan City okay. matchup. Assuming it's Michigan City, I don't want to disrespect Joel Grindle and Plymouth Jolza fine coach. I just think they're a little bit behind Michigan City yep. right now. Uh, and then we plan, our plan is to do the Saturday night championship over at Elkhart. Okay. Very good. I want to ask you a Notre Dame football question really quick. You've been around these parts for a good while now. You are a, a history book of Notre Dame football. There's been a discussion amongst fans, the coordinator combination right now of Mike Denbrock and Al Golden. It's the best Notre Dame Coordinator tandem since dot, dot, dot. Can you fill in the blank when you've been this comfortable with a pair of coordinators at Notre Dame? Well, remember, when you're an offensive coordinator under Lou Holtz, you're not really an offensive coordinator. <laughs> so let's go back to Barry Alvarez being the defensive coordinator for Lou Holtz and Lou Holtz calling the plays. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good combination. I, I think that's that's a pretty solid combination, and uh, that worked really well for the Irish for quite some time and until Barry left to become the head coach at Wisconsin. Rick Minter also had some terrific years as yeah. the defensive coordinator for the Irish while Holtz was coaching, uh, and and then you would have to, you know, hit the accelerator quite a bit. I think up into probably right now. I mean that's. 
it's interesting too because and Darren, you've been here what twenty years or so, uh, something like that. Oof. Yeah. So you and I are both old, and <laughs> Notre Dame has never paid assistant coaches the way they're paying them now. Yeah. I mean, assistant coaches now are making more than, well, way more than Holtz did, obviously. But, I mean, they're making more than Charlie Weiss did when he was coaching wow. mm-hmm. as head coach. And so, but that that's the nature of the beast, right? If, I, if you're going to tie up Al Golden and Mike Denbrock into these four-year deals and keep them away from the NFL and keep them away from other jobs, that's what you have to do. There are so many of the Irish fan base. You see it on social media, message boards. Everything is starting to fall into place for Notre Dame. Is there anything that causes you hesitation thinking about the possible success of this year's team? Well, I'm not necessarily sold yet on Riley Leonard as the quarterback of the fight. I think he's obviously going to be the starter against Texas A&M, barring injury, because you don't bring him in here just to to ride the pine. Even though Steve Angeli had a wonderful Sun Bowl against an outmanned Oregon State team, the job is obviously Riley Leonard's, but can he go down there and beat his old coach in a hot, hostile environment down in College Station? If he can, yeah, then the Irish should be in cruise control for a while, but Leonard never put together great consecutive performances while he was down at Duke. And so over the course of the season, Where's the stumble going to be? I mean, you know, we're sitting here this time last year thinking Sam Hartman was going to rewrite the Notre Dame record books, and it didn't happen. Yeah. I think there's also some question. You're losing two high-caliber tackles, (laughs) Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. Those are tough to replace. That offensive line is not going to be as good as it was last year. And I know Fisher, you know, was somewhat of a disappointment. I I think he was playing at maybe too light a weight and and lost a little bit of strength. But, yeah, I mean, there are still question marks because, let's face it, the standard for this team now, Darren, isn't just you have to make the college football playoff. The standard is, you have to at least make the Elite Eight. You have to win a playoff game, too. Yeah, no question about that. And I'm the same way with Riley Leonard. I think there are parts of his throwing ability that has to become more consistent. And with a guy like Mike Denbrock running this offense, I feel a lot better about what can become of the talents of Riley Leonard compared to what could have been the coaching staff around him for this 2024 campaign. I want to seek in one more question and then I'll wrap it up. I'm just wondering your early impressions of Micah Shrewsbury as Irish basketball coach and the foundation that he has been laying throughout the year. Well, poor Micah Shrewsbury. I mean, no Notre Dame coach has inherited this little on the basketball floor since Dicker's first year. 
Mm. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury opened up the cupboards, and there was a box of celery jello and two half-eaten saltines, <laughs> and that's all that was left. So he he's making do with what he's been able to cobble together. Uh, Marcus Burton, I, I don't think people appreciate the fact. Twelve months ago, he's he's playing Jimtown and Bremen, and now he's playing North Carolina and Duke. <laughs> I mean, come on, man! And he's still averaging about seventeen points a game. And I know he has to take a lot of shots to average those seventeen yeah. points a game. Guess what, folks? Somebody's got to take a shot. Yeah. And if you look around, there's not a lot of weapons out there. It's like the Swiss Army. You know, you're pulling out corkscrews and knives. You're not firing <laughs> howitzers here. So you got, you got the coach's kid, Braden, who's a, a good three-point shooter. He's hitting about 36%. And Knezny's been a nice reclamation project, and that's a nice story. But this is a team that's con- – incredibly limited on offense. And so they how do they win games? They win games by keeping the score down and playing pretty good defense. And then they've gotten better at rebounding. They've gotten better at defense. They've put themselves in a position with Louisville coming up and maybe you steal one more home game. If they win six ACC games with this roster, holy cow, he's done a great job. And, yeah, nobody's going to vote for him for Coach of the Year, and he wouldn't want to be voted for Coach of the Year with the squad. But if he got to six ACC wins and, say, 11 wins over the course of the season, that's that's pretty much, I think, all you could expect. And from what I hear, Darren, he's doing a great job on the recruiting trail. Mm -hmm. And, And, obviously, that's where the bulk of this program is going to be built up. Yes, you can grab people in the transfer portal now, and you can look for quick fixes. But it's a whole lot different in the transfer portal of places like Notre Dame than it is most places. And I know fans say, oh, well, that's an excuse. That's freebie making excuses for the air. No, no, no. It's a fact. No. It's a fact. Yep. No question. I would much rather watch Micah's team than watch Mike Woodson's team. And I don't care if they're in crimson and cream or those black things they wore over the weekend. That is a miserable experience watching that team right now. I do not understand how any Indiana team, and I don't care if it's IU, Ball State, whomever, can't shoot free throws (laughs) and can't shoot, period. I mean, you watch IU go to the foul line. The last time I saw shooting that bad was the Stormtroopers in a Star Wars movie. (laughs) That's a great comparison. (laughs) And we're insulting the Stormtroopers. (laughs) Oh, my. By comparing IU to them. Well, Chuck, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank for all you do for high school sports because you enable a lot of young men and young ladies to get shown on television, on the live streams, and get their stories out there. And I'm really glad you're calling a Mishawaka game tomorrow night. So we'll see you out at the old cave tomorrow night. And again, thanks for all you guys do. You and Anj and the entire crew. I know they work through a lot of snow and ice to get the games on the air, so we appreciate them as well. Crew's terrific. And uh, just help me with one pronunciation. Number 12, is it Coupe? Yeah, yeah, since since he's dunked now, I I don't he might be Iceman now at this point. I have no idea. Dr. Duncanstein, something like that. I I asked him today because I've got to post a little video here a little bit later. And I asked him, I said, do you have a dunk uh, on reserve just in case? Uh, He goes, 
I think tomorrow night, if I get in that situation, I'm just going to stick with a layup. Yeah, yeah. Well, as, and I said that's not a bad idea. As Jack Buck said, when Kirk Gibson hit the home run, I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> I don't believe what I just saw. Yeah, I was stunned as everybody. So, all right. Well, Chuck, thanks again. Greatly appreciate it. We'll see you out at the cave tomorrow night. Look forward to it, Darren. Thank you, sir. That is the Hall of Fame broadcaster, Chuck Freebie. Catch him on the 46th game of the week, Penn and Mishawaka. 6.33 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Today's question my top five sports storylines of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We just kicked it around with Chuck Freeby a moment ago, but Mishawaka basketball blowing a golden opportunity to win their first outright conference championship since 1940. Wallace was one in five in the NLC and handed the Cavemen a 54-51 loss Saturday night. Didn't attack the zone in a great way. Lack of attention to detail against their really good outside shooters, and rebounding was an issue. So Concord, Northridge, Mishawaka share the crown. And Mishawaka's got to be careful. You lose to Wawasee, you got two tough home games going into sectionals, Penn and St. Joe this week. Four! Indiana in the first half looked as bad as their uniforms. Did you see the game on Saturday? Indiana lost to Northwestern 76-72 in Bloomington, and... They wore what was considered an alternate jersey, Fear of God Athletics. They were black jerseys on the front. Players had the number on top in red. Below the number in red was Indiana. And in the first half, Indiana paid tribute to those awful jerseys by committing eight turnovers, two of eight from three, two of five from the free throw line, one offensive rebound, and they trailed 34 to 26. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. What a weekend for Notre Dame lacrosse. Notre Dame men, they're off to a 2-0 start, defending their championship, outscoring their opponents 45-11. They beat Marquette 21-8 on Sunday. Jake Taylor and Chris Cavanaugh each scored four goals. Jordan Faison had two. Jake Taylor's going to join me on tomorrow's program here on WSBT Radio at 6.30. Meanwhile, women's lacrosse beat number one Northwestern, ending the Cats' 22-game winning streak, and the first time Irish women's lacrosse has beaten number one. Number two. Another headline from the weekend, Notre Dame hockey gains ground on Michigan. The Irish picked up four points in the Big Ten standings against Minnesota last weekend. Michigan only won three at Penn State, so the Irish have a three-point lead on Michigan for fourth place in the Big Ten. Fourth place is the final spot for home ice in the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals. Michigan still has two games in hand, and the Irish go to Michigan Friday and Saturday. If Notre Dame wins five of six points, they clinch home ice for the first round. How do you do that? A regulation win and an overtime win or just two Regulation wins. Number one. And finally, coming in at number one, Ohio State with an interim head coach takes down Purdue and Columbus 73-69. Chris Holtman got fired on Wednesday. Jake Diebler, his reward for getting the interim job, getting number two Purdue coming to Value City Arena, but they beat them. And Zach Eady, 22-13, but Ohio State converged on him, and they committed 
or forced him to commit six turnovers in the ballgame. Braden Smith, great as always for Purdue, 12 points, five rebounds, seven assists. Cracks the door open for Illinois, a game and a half behind Purdue for first place. Illinois controls their own destiny to share the title. Senior night for the Illini coming up is against Purdue. But still, the Boilermakers are in great shape. Illinois is not going to run the table more than likely, so I still think Purdue wins outright. Those are my top five storylines of the weekend. We'll get to some sports wagering conversation coming up in just a matter of moments. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend.